Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from West Hollywood, California. Joining us today in studio is fashion stylist David Thomas. We'll be talking styling, plumbing, and his collaboration with Boy George. I'm your host, Jonathan Bukalil, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, David, and welcome to Daddy OFM. It's good to have you here, and it's good to connect with you after all these years. Yeah, hi, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. Good to see you. So how's things in L.A.? I know you've been here for quite a while now, and uh, how long have you been in Los Angeles? Oh, God, just over 10 years, I think, maybe 12, actually. Time, time. I love it here. It's great. Yeah. It's certainly a a nice change from the U.K., and, um, and like you've seen, actually, L.A. change a lot in the last... 10 years and I know especially in the last five it's it's become sort of much more of a a, a cool town and it was a, as you were saying before a bit of a wasteland yeah I think it was perceived as a as a kind of elephant's graveyard really mm. you came here when you had nothing else to do <laughs> I, I, I first rented a house here maybe 16 years ago when I was living between London New York and LA and I rarely came here and I hated it right. to be honest there was nothing to do there was no real work that I wanted to do there were no restaurants. There were you no know. restaurants, weren't no. there? Were just like those old school kind of Beverly Hills uh, pasta Italian joints. With yeah, and, and no one really came, whereas now LA is very much on the circuit, which yeah. includes, you know, London, Paris, New York, maybe Miami, but, but you know, Definitely Milan. LA now. Yeah, and, and LA in terms of uh, fashion, music, and art, I would say that it's, you know, it's quite a destination and it's a best, better life. It's a better standard of living. Oh, it's a much better life. Um, as the listeners know, I've, I've just moved here from New York and the daily sunshine is a beautiful thing and having some space again and seeing palm trees is, I don't know, it just makes for a happier life and yeah, and you, that's what we want. You, you know, it's like the, the space thing is amazing. I just think for me, at my age, at this time of my life, this yeah. is the perfect place to be. I love... I love the blue sky every day, yeah. right? and all the buildings are kind of low, so you get to see the sky. Well, you don't get to see the sky in New York, and you don't actually get to see the sky much in in London, but you do here. The buildings are low, yeah, and the sky's blue. It's hard to get down. I always thought about LA that I'd miss the seasons, and and uh, and I get kind of in this kind of groundhog day of of LA being this constant sunshine and drive me crazy, but. I tell you what, um, palm trees make me happy, and that being sunny every single day is yeah, but listen, really you can good drive thing. two hours and go skiing. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. Know, you were just skiing on the weekend, were yeah, you up in Big Yeah, it's Bear? like a two, two and a half hour drive. Amazing. Yeah. How was it? I haven't been, I haven't been yet. I'm still trying to get to do that. Uh, no, it's really good fun. It's a great thing to do. I mean, if you if you're up for it, you can drive to Mammoth in like six hours. Yeah. I'm sure that's better skiing. I'm not like a connoisseur, but um, <laughs> I've been to both. I prefer. Mammoth, but Big Bear's great. Yeah. Two hours. Yeah. If you've got two hours, yeah. I'd rather drive two hours and six. Yeah, exactly. And get on the snow. Get on the snow for a weekend. And then did you do the whole cabin cabin thing? Or were you in a lodge? or? No, I went to a spa resort. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I Were we doing a lot of skiing or was it a lot more relaxing? No, the first day was uh, massage, facial, buying the right outfit. Yeah, we've well, got to get prepared. And then the second day and the th- and the third day was skiing. Nice. But, you know. So listen, um, thanks again for joining us. And, and David is one of the, the great um, stylists uh, that I know. And, and he, he came to my attention recently. And this is the, the beauty of, of Facebook. He's a great poster. And he's been working a lot with uh, 
Boy George and is kind of uh, responsible for his relaunch or for a new look with him. And I just feel he looks fantastic at the moment. And so congratulations on that. Oh, thank great. you so much. Yeah, but let's let's talk about how you got into the business because I think it's a great story and, and, and it's a common story I, I'm finding as I do this uh, with creatives uh, is, you know, is growing up in a bit of isolation and not being understood and, and, and having a certain, a certain path set out in front of you and then breaking out of it. So uh, where, where exactly did you grow up? I grew up in Gloucester, um, which is, I guess, underneath Wales, like 100 miles okay. from London, yeah. West Country. Yeah. Uh, and I left school when I was 16. And so describe um, life in Gloucester. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a small town. Yeah. It, it basically, they, it, there's not that much to do. There's light industry and there's, there's b the building industry is kind of what people do. So light right. engineering and building. Right. Or you go to college. And so you, fin you finished school and did, were you planning to go to college and what was your plan as you were coming well, up? And were you interested in fashion during those days? Yeah, I mean, my, my primary subject at school was ceramics. Right. I couldn't, okay. do, I couldn't do art because the, the scheduling didn't work or whatever. Right. It's kind of fucked up. I wanted to do art, but I couldn't. I had to choose one or the other. I did yeah. ceramics. But yeah. um, and I guess that and English were my favorite subjects. Yeah. But um, when we were coming up to exam time so in england you take exams at 16 and then that determines if you stay on another two years right to do a levels which is what would get you into college ah, so that's interesting you actually have to pass the the first the o levels right is that what yeah. they were called if you don't you won't even be allowed to do your a levels is yeah that? that's wow. the point and i was i had i actually had a careers interview before i did my first set of exams at yeah. the age of 16. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And right. the, the careers teachers was like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, what does your father do? And I yeah. said, well, my father's a teacher. And he right. said, well, you know, that's not for you. You know, yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to go to college and qualify <laughs> for that. Um, what about your grandfather? So mm. I said, my grandfather was a plumber. Mm. And he said, I oh, will get you some plumbing interviews <laughs> for to do an apprenticeship. And, I, and they did. And I actually was offered an apprenticeship before I'd even taken my exams so it was all written out for me that I would leave school right, at right. 16 and, and then enter into a, a three-year apprenticeship to do plumbing yeah. yeah and not to laugh at plumbing because it's a, you know the, these days it's a very lucrative career to, to move into and, and trades are as valid as anything else you know as, as we move into a digital age but if you know David and you've seen, seen his work then it, it, it's amusing to think of him fixing some pipes. I think, yeah, pl listen, plumbing <laughs> is really hard work. I yeah. have a lot of respect for plumbers, Absolutely. but, you know, a lot of jobs are hard work. It's just whether you're suited to them, and yeah. that really wasn't for me. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was, I was pretty much told that I wasn't bright enough to go to college, right. and therefore I was never going to get to university, right. and I had to get real, and I had to get a right. trade. And that's actually, you know, that, I think that even reflects, you know, what would become your work ethic, whereas rather than than just going and then going on the dole or hang out, hang around. You actually went and got a trade and trained as a plumber and, and did the whole thing. And how, how long did you work as a plumber for? Uh, just over three years. I mean, you're right, because there, there's a discipline involved. Yeah. You know, I had to get up at 5.30 and get on my bike and cycle for five miles to yeah. get to the building yard, whatever yeah. the weather. And, you know, it's, it, it's not only hard physical work, being out in the elements all year round, either it's very, very hot or it's very, very cold, yeah. and you're up on a roof fixing a roof in the cold, generally, because that's right. when they 
and the wet, that's when they leak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and pipes burst when it's very cold or right. whatever. So, I mean, it's a tough job, um, but you learn the discipline. You have to get up, right. you have to be on time, you yep. have to do it. And, you know, plumbing, you know, you don't just sail through it. Like, you, you if you're going to, you, you know, you're dealing with, uh, with water and hot water mm. and, and waste or whatever. Mm. You know, what you do has to work. There's a responsibility, you know, when you leave, when you're going to fix something or you're going to install something that when you leave, it's going to work and it's not going to, because potentially if it leaks, it's, it's going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah. You know. So when you were doing the plumbing, were, were, were you, had you got into fashion, were you wearing the clothes that, um, I, I know growing up when, when I think we're around the same age, because I was in the whole new romantic thing and, and, and uh, you know, as I said in the early episodes, I stove piped my pants, at my trousers at, at the Catholic school I went to, which got yeah. me into a bit of trouble. What well, was your look when you were a plumber? Well, uh, I guess on the lead up to me leaving school, so maybe 14, 15, 16 when yeah. I left school, I was really into Scar, so like right. the, uh, the Beatles, uh, right. the, sorry, the Specials, the yeah. Beat, um, the Selector and stuff like that. So my look was very Scar. Nice. But I did get um, into trouble for wearing white socks to school, which was against <laughs> school rules. I actually got not the cane, but the dap. Right. Which is when you get hit on the ass with a, like a, Sports shoe. Oh, with a sports shoe. It's called a dap. Yeah. Oh, we, so we had at our school. We had the strap, which was a purpose-built six pieces of leather built in their in their in their woodworking class or whatever. Six straps of it's leather so stitched weird, together, and with six of the best is what it was. Yeah. So basically, I got uh, I got the dap for wearing white socks, but I carried on wearing them. But that was my well, look. It's so the look. Yeah, you have to I wear the white socks. That wasn't too out there for the building site. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I wore overalls. No one really knew what I was right. what I was into, but. I didn't really fit in at school. I was a yeah. little bit bullied, but then I didn't really fit in on the on the building site. I was kind of bullied there. But after like a year or so of building, mm. it, I met this gang of kids in Gloucester. Uh, there, uh, four of them were brothers, but uh, and a lot of their mates. They weren't at my school, but they were really into the Smiths, right? And the Cure, right? And all this other stuff. And they introduced me to a, a whole other scene, like the local band scene. They were all in bands. Oh, cool. Um, one of one of the bands that came out of that scene is uh, is called EMF, which right. I'm sure you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And um, in fact, I have no musical talent, but I was the lead <laughs> singer of a band <coughs> with one of EMF and and some other kids that were in local bands. So that introduced me to a whole other thing. And they were all growing their hair and crimping their hair and dyeing their hair and, yeah. and wearing eyeliner and all that. So yeah. I gradually got more into that. Yeah. Which kind of led to more kind of issues on the building side, yeah. but that was that was kind of what I was into. So they introduced me to that. We used to go up to London and visit clubs and stuff. So I, I kind of credit them with bringing me into a different world, if you like. Yeah. And how long? How long? How long is is uh, Gloucester from London? Like, what was the two hour drive? Two hours. So you yeah, had, it was an it was an effort. That, but you. So I imagine you kind of went up to um, London every weekend, and and so take us through how you went from the building site to to styling. Well, I, I, obviously, I, 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 as, as it went on and as I discovered the whole world that was outside of Gloucester, yeah. you know, even my Gloucester, there was another part of Gloucester yeah. that I discovered, the music scene and with that, the fashion that went with it. Um, we got to, I got to know people that were at, at the local fashion college and, uh, and then we used to travel up to London maybe once a week, you know, stay up and then drive back and go straight back to work. So... As time went on, I figured out this wasn't for me, and no. I really wanted to work in fashion. I, I mean, I, it, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but I really did used to look at, you know, like the newspapers of right. the day, like the sun. Right. Look at the bizarre pages and see pictures of 
boy George and Marilyn or whoever <laughs> stumbling out of clubs yeah. with their clothes and their hair yeah. and they'd be like, I want to be there, I want to yeah. be hanging out there. Yeah. There was nothing like that where I lived. Yeah. So I kind of made a decision that somehow I had to get to London. Yeah. But, you know, I was signed into this apprenticeship. You, right. You, oh, you have to, you're committed to it. Yeah, you? you're like indentured, I think uh, it's called. Wow. So you have to finish, you know, you sign up and you have to finish. So I had, in order to get to London, I had to finish my apprenticeship. Wow. That was my first obstacle. My second obstacle really was my parents, right. who, are, although are very cool, you know, we, England was in the middle of a recession then, and, and I was lucky to have a job. Yeah. If I had a trade, I had a job for life. So yeah. there was kind of resistance to me giving up, but yeah. I, I found a way. But I don't think that, like you said, it's a bit of a cliche. I think it's actually quite common for, for creatives to, to want to start filling their minds with, with these creative things, a hunger for to just to devour this imagery that came so natural to you into something you had well, yeah, to do. Well, yeah, but I'd suppressed it. You see, uh, before, I guess before my teenage years, mm. I was really into clothes. Right. Like, to the point where I would pick, before I even know what I was doing, I was picking out my mum's <laughs> outfits and the shoes that went with it and kind of having a, a tantrum <laughs> if she didn't do what I wanted, right? And that, <clears throat> and that led on to... My grandmother used to sew, so uh, she would take me into town on a Saturday to this place called Gordon Thoday, which was like a pattern and a fabric store. So we would pick a pattern, right. and I would pick the fabric, and she would make my clothes. Now, right. in the in the effort to to fit in at school, I kind of suppressed all of that, yeah. if you like, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. and forgot about it. But my natural thing was was like fashion and style I guess right. I just was trying to fit into school and and figure and out the, what that was and, and yeah, what to do with this and I don't think the education system uh, for for people our age and I don't know maybe less so now mm. was really set up for creative people it's like you you went into academia or mm. you or you or you had a practical trade we, you were never encouraged to do anything no. creative because there it's not a proper job or there's no, no money in it no. or, or whatever so I, but I don't think you find your own way. There, there was the outlet I mean there was certainly not the outlets um, back then as there are now and that like, you can just be creative and publish it yourself self-publish and put it out in the world and and it was a very kind of unknown thing to, to, to actually want to get into the fashion industry or do something creative like that you know we had to know someone or well i had no way i didn't know what the fashion industry yeah. was because yeah. because there was no internet really yeah. i mean the magazines i used to see was sitting at the dentist right you know all the old magazines there that's the only access i had to magazines but you know my my parents went to africa when uh -huh. i was about i guess 18 like coming up 19 yeah. at the end of my apprenticeship to do some good work right. okay they were building water wells and okay. dams and That's stuff great. and they were gone for about a month so while they were gone <laughs> i quit plumbing <laughs> and i got a job as a as a, an apprentice hairdresser right so when they came back like four weeks later i had bleached hair and i was suddenly an apprentice hairdresser yeah i'm sure that went down well <laughs> <laughs> they were all right about it yeah. i guess in the end but it was a step in the right direction, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Tell me about how you got to London and what your first days there were like, and tell us your, your, your off to London story. Well, <clears throat> my parents were very resistant to me moving to London. I already had some friends from Gloucester right. that had you know, taken the plunge and, and gone to London. Yeah. Um, how, how old were you at that, at that point? Oh God, old enough to go, but, right. but, but I wasn't Only going. just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was 19. I must right, have, yeah. yeah. So my parents were resistant. I was mm. determined to go. I basically saved up money. I had yeah. I saved up thirty pounds. Yeah. I guess that's like maybe forty, fifty dollars. Yeah. And um, then one Saturday, I just uh, I, I ran away. I left a note. I mean, wow. it was a bit old to run away, but I left right. a note. But you just left and you under just... my mum's pillow, and I left. Oh. And I <clears throat> I went on the train. Yeah. 
uh, I had the address of this girl that I knew that was from Gloucester around my right. age that moved there and she she always said you know you you just come if you want to come up you can come and you can mm. live at my house so I went and I it was before mobile phones yeah right? no Facebook no no email no right. so I couldn't contact letters. her in no. advance <laughs> I just turned up and she kind of shut the door in my face when I got there oh no yeah she's a total bitch so she was like no you can't stay here and um so I was kind of oh dear because I'd left home <laughs> and left a note oh dear. I didn't have that much money to and I wasn't going to go back with my tail between my no. legs. So I was technically homeless, do you know what right. I mean? So I was just like, right, I've, got, I've just got to do this. Yeah. So I took my rucksack, backpack, yeah. whatever you want to call it, yeah. and, I, and I, for the first couple of nights, maybe even weeks, I don't know, I used to go to nightclubs, right. check my bag into the coat check, <laughs> hang out, meet people, and then just crash at their place. Right, Until... Right. You know, obviously, I needed to find a job. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to do plumbing. No. I wasn't um, qualified to do hair, and right. I couldn't afford to live in London on an apprentice hairdresser's no. wage. So, uh, there, somebody I met in a club had told me that there was this new record store opening on Piccadilly Circus called Tower <laughs> Records, and I, uh, I applied for a job there, and it, it suited me perfectly. Because oh, it must they have been pan fantastic for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of cool people I met there, but it, basically. They were open till midnight every day, yeah. so they did shift work, which meant you could go club in and yeah. then sleep in and then yeah. do the late shift and then go club in again. So yeah. that was kind of what I did. That was my first job in London. The perfect lifestyle then. What was your first uh, step into the world of fashion then? London was okay, but I actually wanted to live in New York. Right, yeah. So uh, in 1987, a year after I'd been in London. Wow, I that quick. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saved up and with a couple of friends, I went to New York. Yeah, I was there actually. I, I moved to New York at 19, and uh, yeah, it was crazy back yeah, then. Yeah, no, it was it really crazy. Was. We, we had an apartment. There was me, my friend Bish, who was actually a school friend. Yeah. Um, a, a girl called Terry, yeah. who, was a, who was a hairdresser. She was already there. And another friend called Jimmy King, who <laughs> went on to be like David Bowie's right-hand man. Uh, Jimmy King has to go on to do something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're all there, and we are basically... Sh we're four in a bed. Yeah. Uh, wow, man. In, in, a, in a room, in a... Sh like a two-room... One bedroom in a two-bedroom two apartment yeah. in, in Alphabet City. It was yeah. kind of a rough area. Yeah. And I got a job at the uh, hairdresser's salon called Girl Loves Boy, sweeping right. up in the afternoons. Right. I was working in the mornings in running a cafe at the Pineapple Gym on Houston. <laughs> and then in the pineapple. evening... Yeah, remember Pineapple? <laughs> and then in the evenings, I was singing backing vocals in a band called Steve Fraser and the Wild Hearts. That is brilliant. So I, I could... And I could barely make a living. Right, but, but, but living the life, having so much fun, I bet, and the money... Was, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. hustling, money wasn't that important. You're just out the whole time. Yeah, because we didn't really drink, and the yeah. drugs weren't really a part of what we were doing. No. It was like... Uh, we never really spend any money. We yeah. didn't pay to get into clubs. We didn't buy drinks when we were there. I yeah. don't know how we did well, it. But I, I, I think how we did it was a a, um, a toasted uh, bagel with cream cheese and tomato. I think that was at lunch and dinner every day. For food was like so <laughs> unimportant. It yeah. was more about like getting your hair extensions done exactly. and, and getting clothes. Or whatever. So what was the band you were in again? Steve Fraser and the Wild Hearts. How, what, tell us about Steve Fraser and the Wild Hearts. It was a kind of like rocky band. We did a couple of... Well, he was established, I guess, in the kind of New York music scene. I got I got hired basically because of my look. I had hair extensions that right. were kind of like blonde dreadlocks, and I guess I had a funky London vibe or whatever. Absolutely. I, I, I'm sure my mic was turned down low. I, couldn't, <laughs> I can't sing, really. Um, 
but that it was because of that it was because of that really that I got into fashion. Yeah. You know, I um I met these two girls that he knew and they knew that I worked at the hairdressers. So they were like uh, or they liked the way I looked or whatever and they were they said, Oh right. we're in a we're in a band would you do you want to style us? And I was like, well, I'm only sweeping up hair. I don't, I can't really do hair. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 style our clothes, help us with our clothes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and were you aware of this as a, a job or a no, well, obviously heard of, not? Yeah. No, I, I didn't know what styling was yeah. at all. So yeah. that was that was it. And but at the same time, I was getting, I was getting a bit freaked out by New York. Do you right. Know, I, I'd been mugged. Right. Um, at right. Knife yeah. Point, I'd yeah. been mugged a second time right where I live by a, a gang of young kids who they're like you you know we know where you live and go right. upstairs get because yeah, I lived on um 10th and A in 87 and that was rough you know yeah. A was rough Tompkins Square Park you just did not oh, go yeah. in yeah. and then Avenue B was you know you were in well, trouble we lived, if you yeah, go we there between A and B it was yeah. rough and if you go to C you're definitely getting mugged <laughs> and D you're probably getting killed <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I was kind of over New York I think what it did New York made me realise after coming from you know, I guess I was starting to get it in London, and I definitely, something clicked in my head. It was like everybody that I liked or respected actually did something. Yeah. You know, right. they weren't just fabulous. Yeah. They, they, it was like a, a side project of something that they did. Right. And I had to, and at that point, I was like, I have to figure out what it is that I'm going to do. Right. I can't just be. Right. And that's really interesting because what, what, what I'm hoping to do here and what we're trying to do here at Daddy OFM is be a bit of a mentorship. This is not just uh, for, for people in the middle of their careers to recount stories. It, it's to try and to give advice and, and to mentor people coming up. And, if, and I remember being out and there was tons of people that were just out and hanging out. And you're right, it was the people that were doing stuff that in, were interesting. And if then, so if you're out hanging out and, and partying and clubbing, make sure you're doing something at the same time and not just partying all the time. Yeah, I think that... Um that that kind of that should be like um that's kind of like a reward for if you like for 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 your hard work yeah. just, it can't just be your sole existence no uh, I, and i figured that out but i would say that it's you know most people maybe they're freaked out because they're 16 they don't want know what they want to do right but i didn't right and it actually took me till i was so now i'm getting up to the age of 20 21 yeah and i and i thought okay i have an idea i'm going to be a fashion stylist yeah so then uh, the, the issue then was getting back to the UK right. because it, I had no money. Right. Um, again, it was not a popular decision at home. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it wasn't popular for you to be coming back to the UK. Well, the fact that I'd gone to New York. Right. I see. Right. You know, right. Right. It was right. Like, so. And I, it's much. And, and life was much more conservative there, and and, and parents weren't wanting their children to live oh, and no, be people free. People travel in such a different way now. Yeah, it's but, amazing. You know, if. Uh, if a child of mine said, I'm going to New York with whatever I had, £100, and yeah. I'm just going to hope it's going to work out, I'd probably be a little worried. Yeah. I mean, they didn't give me a terribly hard time, but I did. I guess there's pride involved. Do you know what I mean? But I had made the decision that I was going to be a fashion stylist, but I needed to get back to England to do it. Right. Um, now, my friend Bish that I was traveling with had a return ticket. I'd gone into <laughs> America on a one-way ticket. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, That's I not did, happening these days, is no, it? No, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't happen, no. But so he he wanted to stay. He was loving yeah. it. So he said he'd give me his ticket, right? So this is pre nine eleven. Yeah, pre, and all that. pre anything. I think yeah, if someone's okay. giving you their ticket and, and so, you're able to use it. So I used the last of my money yeah. to 
to get to JFK. Yeah. Oh, man. I went, I went to check in. I had a plan. I went to check in, and I basically, you know, checked in, and they said, oh, can we see your passport? And then I pretended not to be able to find it. Yeah. And I flaffed around and flaffed around until it was pretty much time. Uh, if I didn't go, I wouldn't board the plane. And right. then I just flashed it, and by that... It wasn't as strict as it is now. No. Basically, I, I winged it and I got on the flight, thank God. That's amazing. I, I wouldn't have had enough money to get back to the center of Manhattan anyway. <laughs> You'd probably still be living at JFK. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I got home on, on Bish's ticket and, uh, and, uh, and then I went back straight back to Gloucester to my hometown. Wow. And How was the know, homecoming? It was great. My parents oh, were great. And I chatted to my dad and I said, look, I, I decided what I want to do. I great. really want to be a, a fashion stylist. I want to yeah. work in fashion. Um, and he said, well, you know, you need to figure that out so uh, with his help I, d I discovered that I wasn't qualified enough to go to college mm. as, as I kind of I guess I kind of knew that but, um, so I thought I'm gonna have to do an alternative route I'm gonna have to try and work as, as an assistant and my dad recommended that I apply to the Prince's Trust uh, yeah. which is the Prince Charles's charity yeah. to help disadvantaged young people set up their own business. And that's I, amazing. I applied for a grant, yeah. and I got it. Wow, that's incredible that you got that. That's yeah. such a that that. that I mean, you know, the, the, these government things you think are just there well. In for fact, you see, but it's not a government. Thing. Oh, is it? So no, it's it's it's. it's it's purely an idea and a charity run by the Prince of Wales, and they've right. they've they've helped. I think it's over eight. Uh, sorry, eight hundred thousand young people start their own that's business that's amazing and it's it's 40 years old the charity that, this that year. really is amazing yeah. uh, and, um, and prince it. charles yeah i bet and prince charles gets a bit of a hard time but hearing that eight hundred thousand people uh at least yes yeah, it's, it's probably more like eight i think the actual figure i can't tell you but i think it's like eight hundred and four eight hundred and forty thousand young people have started their own business with Incredible. the, the prince's trust in the last 40 years that's amazing it's, the, it's 40 years old this year yeah so i took that grant i uh, reconnected with people I knew from the local yeah. art college or whatever. I did a book of test shots, if you right. like, you know, getting a friend to take it. And I and I went and I went to London. Saved right. up again, got a job in a yeah. store, saved up, and went back to London. This yeah. time, with a mission. And there weren't things to buy then. There wasn't, uh, you know, phones and toys and games and, and and electronics to spend all your money on. So you, you know, you didn't need need a lot of money in those days. So, so just to save up a bit of cash, just to keep you going. And then you went to London. And and where did, how did how did it all open up for you there? I got this thing called the Creative Handbook, which yeah. is like right. a, a, a listings book. I guess on it would be online now, but yeah. it was a book back yeah. then. And it listed all the hair, makeup, stylists, their agents. And and I went through and I hand wrote probably over 100 letters right. to fashion stylists. Right. And just, you know, I'm, I'm an, uh, I'm, I want to be your assistant kind right. of thing. But there were three people that I really wanted to work with. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was already a bit of a Boy George fan <laughs> and a cultural fan. Yeah. Um, and I was aware that Judy Blame was his stylist. Yeah. And he, he's also a jewelry designer. So I, yeah. I and, and there was another guy I really wanted to work for called Ian R. Webb. Yeah. He was a very, he, he had been the fashion editor of Blitz magazine. Right, of course. Which was an incredible Blitz magazine. magazine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, which was <laughs> kind of quite, a, you know, quite, uh, I guess, a spin-off of the, of the Blitz club scene and all that yeah so um regarding ian i tried and tried to he he'd moved on he got a job at the london evening standard right. as the fashion editor and yeah. i knew what he looked like from his picture on his byline right yeah but i couldn't get hold of him on the phone and a girlfriend of mine had, had, had told me that the that if i wanted to meet him i should you know seek him out 
Now, there was a fashion event I wasn't invited to. The same person <laughs> said to me, if you, if you want to gatecrash it, walk in backwards slowly, right? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I literally walked in backwards slowly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I recognised him, and I'm young. But, and, but, and but you were just kind of hoping no one would notice and everyone's thinking you're going notice. out, and you're just going They don't backwards notice because you're facing the right direction. That is hilarious. So you just edged your way in backwards. That is brilliant. I've never heard that in. before. I mean, it wasn't like heavy high security, but no, I was not invited. I no. walked in slowly backwards. Yeah. I recognised him. I sought him out. <laughs> I went over and I said, you know, oh, my name's David and I, I really want to be your assistant, but I can never get hold of you on the phone. And he kind of looked at me and he said, if you call me tomorrow, I'll take the call. That's and brilliant. Then, and then kind of turned the other way. Right. So I, I did call him the next day and he was about to take a new job on a magazine. Yeah. Um, and, and he let me be his assistant unpaid. I was the unpaid fashion assistant on that magazine for three months and right. then I got the job as I was in charge of the fashion closet right yeah. that's my job yeah yeah but that's a, that's a great start and and then so there you are often often running assisting and, and learning as you go and so you're actually in a unpaid apprenticeship yeah but I supported myself by um, working on on a Saturday and a Sunday right in a cafe in Covent Garden washing right. dishes right and loading the how dishwasher. much did you get for the from the Prince's Trust Oh, it was tiny. It was, yeah. it was like five hundred pounds, but I used that money. Um, it was it, it's a lot of money at the time, actually. It, yeah, but but that just even that little bit just allowed well, you to plan a little bit yeah, ahead. Yeah, deposit for a place. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't actually just the act of them giving me the money. Mm. It was the fact that somebody. The faith. Believed, you believed in me. Absolutely. Like, you know, I wasn't laughed at at the yeah. interview. Do you no. know what I mean? And it was like... Well, and also probably with it. your parents as well, with your dad, seeing that you got it this, it just like, made it all legitimate. Yeah, like, uh, they believe in me and they think I can do it. They're going to give me money to help me start the business. So it was it was way more than the money. It, mm. was, it was the kind of uh, validation, if you like. Absolutely. That, that, that they gave me. Yeah, and, and, and validation as a creative and an artist is, is so difficult to come by sometimes and especially when you you're trying to break in and, and the, the the doubts and the questions of like I know I want to do this but how do you know you have the talent how do you know you have the the the, the skill to do this so so having something like the Prince's Trust to to to, to, to validate the, to validate you it, it must have been really important. well after years of being told that I couldn't yeah and by everyone saying you're, yeah. you're not good enough for this, you're not good at that, you're not yeah, smart totally. enough to do anything, but, but, but you know, so do them, go and then, to And then plumbing. suddenly somebody's saying, yeah, we can do, you can do that and we'll help you. Yeah, so, the Prince of England. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, I also had a job at the Hippodrome nightclub right. uh, as the toilet attendant, the person giving out the towels and selling roses right, and aftershaves. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But you made a lot of tips and right. you also met a lot of kind of people in the business, right? Because they all come in and wash their hands or whatever. Yep. So those two jobs meant that I could effectively work for, for nothing. Right. And the other guy I really wanted to work for was Judy because yeah. he was, he was, he's kind of legendary and he was George's stylist. Now I phoned him and wrote to him and phoned him and phoned him and eventually um, he, he did give me the job as his second assistant. Um, and, and years later, he, he said that he, he basically gave me that job just to stop me calling. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I worked my way up to his first assistant. And I have to say that I, I learned so much from both of them. Ian is, 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 was, plays the game a little bit more. You know, right. he, he was more like a fashion editor. Did he end up being um, on English L eventually? I went with him to right. L. I was the menswear, he was the menswear fashion yeah. editor at L and I was his assistant there. Yeah. So, 
I did that. And, and, and from Judy, I think I just, I'd always had this thing like, but where does it come from? Where does right. it come from? You know, where did they get their ideas? Right. Uh, Judy used to map his stories out in a completely different way. He wasn't, because he wasn't Could, on a before magazine. Before we move on, can you, because Judy Blame, for, for those who know, is one of the mavericks of the industry and, and, and a terribly creative guy. Can you tell us about Judy a bit and, and, and what you think of him and what, how you would describe his well, style? Well, I would call him as an outsider, really. Yeah. But, but, you know, very influential, very, yeah. very referenced by a lot of people. Yeah. But whereas Ian was on the inside working as a fashion editor, maybe reporting on the shows and reporting on trends, yeah. Judy wasn't necessarily going to shows. Yeah. And he definitely didn't have to, when he did shoots, primarily for the face and ID, he didn't have to, um, if you like, kowtow to advertisers or no. report on trends. He could just do his thing. Yeah. So if it didn't exist, he kind of made it, or the accessories. And he did really kind of outlandish stuff. And I guess I learned from him that... You know, that just to, to just to, to follow your gut, if you yeah. like. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's a, that's a, that, and that's such an important thing as as a creative to to trust your gut and to trust what you, you, you the influence you've been exposed to and and to to trust your ideas because it's personal ideas that are important. I think. Yeah, not not even thinking too hard about it, mm. not trying to analyze it. Just do what you what you feel is yeah, right. Yeah, often your first instinct is is the correct one. Yeah, so that was that. But I mean, I worked for other people. I um, through Judy, I, I I got to meet a lot of people. But I also interned for Michael Roberts, right. who's uh, who was at the time fashion director of Tatler. Yeah. For people that don't know him, he's also a very successful photographer. Yeah. Writer. Um, illustrator. Yeah, he's amazing. You know, now he's directing a movie. He's pretty. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a oh, pretty cool. all-round amazing guy. Yeah. So I interned for him. At the same time that I was interning for him, Isabella Blow worked at Taylor. Yeah. So I kind of saw her around, although yeah. I didn't get to know her. And then through Judy, she basically called Judy one day and said, that "I've got these shoots going on with. Um, I'm doing a couple of videos for Malcolm McLaren. Can I? Wow. Can I borrow your assistance? So I, <laughs> she, I guess she liked me because she had married. Detmar Blow, mm -hmm. and Detmar Blow lived in this big um, house in Painswick, which is about four miles from my hometown. Oh, okay. So I, she just used to call me the plumber from Gloucester. <laughs> and she, she always, uh, and, and uh, right up until when she died, yeah. I was always the yeah. plumber from Gloucester. But yeah. I guess, I think she kind of found that amusing. Absolutely. She was kind of like quite an anarchist, you know. Yeah, yeah, she was, yeah. So I got to work with her. She's and one of the great characters of, of English fa fashion and yeah, a legend, you know. And she, you know. She's very gen she was very generous with her, with her mm. contacts, with her knowledge. Mm. And she's like a true eccentric. So I yeah. guess... Uh, she then went to um, a, m a British Vogue, yep. and uh, I assisted her at British Vogue, so I got to shoot with her, with Karl Lagerfeld, and, and lots of interesting people. I got my portrait taken by Karl Lagerfeld. Amazing. And then she, she said to me one day, oh, I've got this friend that's doing a master's at the Royal College of Art, Philip, he's, he's doing hats, you should meet him. <laughs> um, so she took me into... Philip doing hats and one yeah. <laughs> So she took me in to meet him yeah. and uh, his kind of lifelong ambition at the time, we yeah. were a similar age, was to make a hat for Boy George. So right. I commissioned him to make the first hat for George, which, I mean, they still work together. That's right. And th this is Philip Tracy, um, for those who haven't um, clicked yet, and one <laughs> of the great uh, um, the 
What's the, what's the word for a hat designer? Milliner. Milliner, of course, yeah, yeah. thank you. Milliners of our age, I think. And so, yeah. so that's really nice that he got to... Can you, do you remember the hat that he made? I remember the hat that he made. It was, uh, it was, like, a, it was like a skull cap with red devil horns. And <laughs> it was famously photographed for, and, and on the cover of the first ever Attitude magazine right, in the UK. Right, right, right. So it was a famous image by Brad Branson. Yeah. That, that hat doesn't exist anymore, but the horns... It, uh, still do exist and now are now on another hat. But the first men's hat Philip ever made, he made he made for me, and I still have. Wow! That. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, fantastic! It, it's like a cross between a baseball cap and a deer stalker hat, <laughs> and it's worn sideways, and it's got a star of David on the front. There you go. Because my name's David, so <laughs> that, I, I do own the first ever men's Philip Tracy hat, which is that's amazing. Awesome. That's that's incredible, and 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 it's just it, it's. It's one thing. It's just once you get the foot in the door, and and you're in it for the right reasons. And you obviously came over, came across as being very authentic. And the, if you are authentic with what you want to do and believe in what you do, suddenly doors open, and people will introduce you to other people. And suddenly you're in this world of amongst fantastic creative people. Oh yeah, and and people want to help you. But you know, there was a, a little bit of resistance because. You know, the world was changing. This is the right. late 80s, right? right? Prior to that, everybody who worked in magazines was either independently wealthy right. and connected yeah. or had come from St. Martin's right. in the case of Ian R. Webb. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, so there, there was I, um, an ex-plumber yeah. with, yeah. with a farmer accent yeah. and crooked teeth. <laughs> and, you know, and I sort of come out of nowhere. So there was a little resistance. But then oh, cool. there, within that, there was people that... that well, not cool, but in interesting. Yeah. yeah, you know, there yeah. were people that really that did want to help me. You know, yeah. Sir Hardy Amis, who, who at the time I met him was in his 80s, right. was the dress designer to the Queen and had been for years. Right. He as he said himself, came from the wrong side of the tracks, yeah. but ended up where he ended up, you know. Um, he was the, the son of a dressmaker from... Yeah, um, and, and, and at that time it was still all supermodels and, and all that kind of version of the fashion industry. And yeah. We were just about to move into that kind of um, grungy uh, the kind well, of thing. I, well, so I was an assistant. Go on, sorry to... Well, sorry I, to I mean, we'll, uh, and I'll, I'll lead into not that. Not to so jump I was ahead. <laughs> so I was assisting all these people. There was a... And, and doing shoots with Judy. Yeah. I, I got experience with, with, with Ian R. Webb. I'd been yeah. working with Izzy. So one day, I'm 24 yeah. at this point. I'd been assisting a few years, but I'd also started styling on my own. Right. And Judy was offered to do a girl called Lisa Stansfield. Yeah. And didn't have time or didn't want to do it. So... He said, oh, he said, oh, you should do this job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and the song, the video was for a song called All Around the World, and it went on to be a hit. Was it? All Around did the you, World. Did you do that one? Yeah. That's amazing. And that, that was, was my, a huge hit. So that her. was my first ever That's music great. video. And she became a big star, and, and then one the day... The Kiss Calls, right? She had the Kiss Calls. And the, the Little Baker Ball Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. Yeah, and she was wearing John Richmond. Yeah. So that yeah. was my first video on that my was, own. That I mean, that was iconic. That video. That was. That yeah, but was, who knew? Uh, I mean, yeah. just, we were just doing this right. thing, right? But it became huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, so well then done. I got a call saying, um, uh, "Would you like to star Kylie Minogue for yeah, right. her, for her oh, video?" Kylie. Yeah. You know, and the song was was "What Do I Have to Do?" And that was, that's kind of become like quite an iconic video. If you talk to Kylie fans, it's right. often voted like their favorite video. So that all. So I was. I was still assisting, but I was getting music business stuff on my own. And then one day, I'm 24 by now. So if you imagine, I got the grant when I was 22. Yeah. So two years in, I've been styling 
boy George quite a lot because yeah. Judy was busy with Nana Cherry. Yeah, uh, Nana, yeah. Um, and then I got this call saying, uh, we're, we're about to open this new magazine in the UK called Esquire. Right. Um, would you like to be the fashion editor? Wow. And I didn't even have to do an interview, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, it turned out that Lynn Franks, who was like the... The, the the big fashion PR and I guess kind of run ran the fashion yeah. scene. I got to know her. She was kind of she taken me under her wing a little bit. Yeah. Um, she had recommended me so highly for this job that I didn't even have to interview. So at 24, right? Uh, actually, I wasn't the fashion editor. I was I was employed to start with as fashion stylist. Right. And they very soon got promoted to fashion editor. So I was actually then the youngest fashion editor in the world at, no, at the time. I'd only been in the fashion business for two years. Amazing. I, um, I didn't really know how to... Well, I didn't know how to use a computer. They were new. Yeah. <laughs> so they employed somebody to, to work the computer for yeah. me. Uh, they soon discovered that I couldn't spell, so I was not allowed to write my own thank you notes or letters right. or anything like that. Somebody no else order had to correct. Do it for me. Um, so that was it. So then two years in, and I'm a, I'm a fashion editor. That, amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you're, so, so do you remember your first shoot at, at, uh, at Esquire and, and, and how that came about and, 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 and how you approached it and, and, w uh, and what the feeling was when, when you suddenly had the hold of the reins? And I know you've done things before, but now it, it really is your name on it and, and this is your reputation going forward. Well, it... it, it I felt at the time like I'd been, st I would, I'd taken this job, but I was like at a disadvantage when you compare it to Arena, the menswear magazine right. at the time, or GQ or anything else, because they had decided that they were going to have a policy where they were not going to use models. Wow. Um, and it, that they wanted to use, in their words, which seems to be commonplace now. Now yeah. it does, right? So I was like, well, real people, okay. That's not that interesting to me. Yeah, not to too me. real, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then there's issues of, like, the samples come in a certain size because they're worn on the runway and all that. Yeah. So I was, I decided that I would, okay, I'm not allowed to use models. I'm going to use actors and musicians yeah. and people that I love yeah. to, to get around this. Yeah. Um, oh, and so it they were really actually wanting you to use just regular people. Well, off the street, or was I don't that think they were sure what they wanted. They right, just didn't okay. want models. They just didn't want models. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So I, you know, and I, that seems to be perfectly obvious now. We use actors and then musicians. Oh, it wasn't. It was it not the thing. No, it, it hadn't been done. Not in advertising. Not in yeah. magazines. Yeah. So, you know, there I am. I'm 24, and I'm like, oh, you know, I I really love madness the band i'm right. going to write and i'm going to ask madness to model and i and i did this this shoot which is probably one of my favorite shoots of all time called the best of british yeah. and i used all english designers like paul smith and yeah. westwood and Catherine hamner and yeah. i got um i got madness to model and then i i wanted to do this kind of i was i had to do a pinstripe suit story right, right. i'm like how am i going to make this interesting so i I uh, I thought I know I'll do it on a on a woman, right? And I'm a big Helmut Newton fan. I yeah. discovered him probably through Michael Roberts or whatever, yeah. um, and I knew that he'd always used Charlotte Rampling yeah. as his muse. And I wrote to Charlotte, literally wrote. We didn't email <laughs> then, and um, she agreed to do it. And she flew over no from worries. Paris, and she did the shoot for me in men's suits. That's fantastic, which is amazing. And yeah. it kind of went on from there. Yeah. Um, I did a shoot with Malcolm McLaren. Yeah. I got Nick Knight to model for me one time. I got Boy <laughs> George to model. And then I started to get a little bit more adventurous. Yeah. Let, I, won't, um, I won't pretend that, they, that I really fitted in at this magazine, by the right. way. Um, right, okay. Yeah. And then I thought, 
well, maybe it would be fun to, to do a shoot, you know, based on a movie, right? Right. Um, because I just wanted to make it more fun. And, I, and, and there was a series of films in England called the Car- Carry On Films, and they're kind of like <laughs> British humour. And, and I got all these people from the original Carry On Films. That is inclu- brilliant. Including Barbara Windsor and yeah. Les, uh, another actor called Leslie, and all these strange people to agree to model. And then, and then, I, and then I asked this famous model at the time, Sarah Stockbridge, to yeah. play the daughter <laughs> of Barbara Windsor. So I did that. That's great. And then I did another one based on this old 50s movie called Passport to Pimlico. <laughs> and, and at the time, the movie um, Pret-a-Porter had just come out, the Robert Alban-directed movie, where there were loads of famous right. cameos in the movie. And I was kind of fascinated by celebrity. Yeah. Um, so I decided that everybody in the shoot would be famous except for the two lead models, the right. boy and the girl. Yeah. And I had a cast of about 30 or 40 famous people That's great. In, this, in this shoot. And then, uh, and then things started to go a little bit wrong with Esquire. <laughs> I think they thought I was out of control after right. my Sound of Music shoot. Um, <laughs> and I had Were you getting good reactions to the shoots and in well, within the, the industry? The, or the, was it the readership that wasn't embracing it? Uh, I think it was more the editor at the time right. that wasn't embracing it. Right. But, um, you know, people do shoots now that are based on films. Absolutely. And people use musicians and actors. And uh, I just, it wasn't really done at the time. I yeah. think the, the, my sound of music shoot, because I had, I spent a fortune. Yeah. I had goats. Yeah. I had, um, <laughs> I had about 20 nuns. And um, goats are expensive, let <laughs> me tell you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had a Nazi, just because it's part of the story, yeah. an SS uniform, but they didn't run that picture. No, I bet. Um, <laughs> and that, I was kind of, I was kind of getting to the point where I, I, I felt like, um, they weren't getting it and they actually brought a fashion dir- director in over me right. and created a new right. position and then my job became a bit impotent really I didn't have much right. to do right so I'm, I'm almost 26 at this point right and so what what happened then and suddenly you you you'd be in this very creative period of, of your yeah. life no I was able to think thing is i was able to pretty much do what i wanted yeah. at the beginning i could i could call that must have been terribly disappointed to suddenly have that that rug um pulled out from underneath well i was just sort of getting you. fed up i i i'd shot with mario testino yeah and they said uh, that i couldn't shoot with him again it was too gay right. um <laughs> i wanted to shoot with david sims and i brought yeah. him in uh, he went on to have an amazing career they said no yeah you know um so i was kind of it was like it was a it was a really good opening into that world, but it obviously wasn't quite for me. Mm. But then um, one of the advantages was that they paid for you to go to the fashion show. So you were going right. to the men's shows in, as it was then, right. Paris and Milan. There, yeah. weren't, there weren't men's shows in London then, and there weren't men's shows in New York. Yeah. So you got to hang out with all the other magazine people, yeah. editors, yeah. publishers, yeah. whatever. And I had got to know um, the people at American Esquire. Mm. And they were about to open a new magazine called Esquire Gentleman, right. which is which was twice twice a year fashion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it was kind of like the forerunner to GQ Style, what GQ right. Style yeah, is yeah. now. Yeah. And they offered me a job working for them, so I quit Esquire right. and, and I went to work on that magazine. As Fantastic. It, you know, which was only just. Um, did you are you moving back to the states at this, at this no, point? I, no, uh, just you were doing it from England. No, I I, I went once. A week for a month. Wow. So if you imagine I had been 19 and 20 in New York. Yeah. Sleeping four in a bed. Yeah. Working three jobs to try to make ends meet. Uh, You know, six years later, 
five, six years later, I got That's back. That's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's so highly I, satisfying. Yeah, I uh, used to stay at the Royalton Hotel, which is like the hip hotel at the time, yeah. in the same <laughs> corner suite every month with a round bath. <laughs> and I had a car and a driver at my disposal oh my the whole time I was there. Yeah, so it was pretty insane. So it was you all... must have been like, what the hell? They're living the high life, you're still in New York, yeah, corner sure suite, real... driver. I was probably a real cock. But I was yeah, having dinner probably... <laughs> with, uh, you know, it was like dinner with Kelly and Calvin Klein, right, and dinner with yeah. Michael Kors. Yeah. They had, a, they had a welcome party for me, and they said, you can do whatever you want. So I had this drag queen called Lady Bunny perform. Of course. Uh, you know, Roseanne Barr was there. It was kind of crazy. George it was crazy, Grover, yeah. You know, but it was... It, I'd gone from from Plummer to London to, to Fashion Enter in London to suddenly Fashion Enter in New York, and I'm yeah. still pretty young. Yeah. Um, and it all happened very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah, and so that's great. And, and so you were telling me earlier that, that, and then all these other magazines you started to become involved with at this, at this yeah, point in time. Yeah, because technically I was, I was freelance. Yeah. It was a magazine that was only out. So I was free to do you whatever I wanted. Twice a year. So, yeah. yeah. So I could do, do what I wanted in the rest mm. of the time. So um, I started to shoot for Vogue Arm yeah. out of Paris and Vogue Arm International, which is yeah. a separate magazine, probably like, you know twice a year. Yeah. Um, and Vogue Arm International was my favorite magazine. Yeah. In Europe, my yeah. favorite magazine in America at the time was Interview, yeah. and I became the contributing fashion editor of that. So at the time, I was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it came quite together quite nicely, didn't it? Was it was an amazing time because I was contrib contributing. Talk fashion about editor. all your dreams coming true from the Boy George to Judy to 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 all these magazines that you grew up wanting to to, to be a part of, and then and now here well, you are. It, it was amazing because they were kind of rivals. They were owned by yeah, uh, right. the, the Vogue Arm, Vogue Arm International, and and Luomo Vogue right. out, of, out of Italy. So what were, do you think it was about you that, that uh, allowed that to happen? Do it allow the two sort of like competitors to have the same person working um, with them? I don't know. I think I was just having a moment, really. Right. I mean, I, I was obviously different to what they were used to. Yeah. I think fashion was, was entering a phase of being more democratic, right. if you like. Right. Um, and and, and I, I probably had a different work ethic i didn't right i wasn't so entitled right then they maybe i don't know yeah, maybe i think you appreciated that big round oh my God, i was just i, I love clothes just, yeah. i was very enthusiastic so i what, had ideas different ideas to what people were doing and so what the, the, the and let's talk about your your um inspiration for for a minute because it, it's are you telling me about all these kind of very cinematic stories and these big production shoots that you would do and what what would you say your your inspiration is was was back then and, and uh, is now i think it's it's kind of remained the same i made a decision mm. really early on that i wasn't going to buy magazines right because i didn't want to be either subconsciously influenced by something yeah. or put off my stroke and not do something because i'd seen something in a magazine. Seen it. and i've done that a million times ago oh, i was i was going to do that and, yeah, so and, i didn't yeah. look at what anyone else was doing yeah I, that's interesting i i i i was i I kind of discovered film. I wasn't really into mm. film. I had no, no access to watch film growing mm. up. We went to the movies once a year on yeah. our birthday, if we were lucky. Yeah. There was no... My dad dominated the TV, and he watched sport all weekend <laughs> when people were watching... You yeah. know, there were movies on Saturday. On. So I didn't watch... We didn't have a video recorder at home, so yeah. I hadn't seen... I hadn't really seen any movies when I got to London, apart from... Um, Greece and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and a handful of others because we literally <laughs> once once a year. So but movies, I think, and yeah. just uh, uh, and music yeah. and just popular culture. I think right. one of the things that I'd learned from Michael Roberts that that I, stays with me now is he used to devour every 
every kind of gossip magazine, right. every kind of <laughs> music magazine, whether it be Enemy or Smash Hits right. or, 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 or Now, maybe OK or Us Weekly or In Touch or whatever. Yeah. Just... Um, just I think Andy Warhol would do the same. Do you right. know what I mean? Or, right. or, or, or now it's the internet. Yeah. And just be really, what's going on? Who's yeah. new? Who's coming yeah. up? Like one of the first shoots I did for Esquire Gentleman, yeah. we used a reality TV star right. as, as, the, as the lead man in the story, which right. was kind of unheard of. Yeah. And, the, and the first reality TV show was called The Real World on MTV. Yeah. And the guy was called Eric. Ah, uh, yeah. And, that's, <laughs> and he was our lead guy. And when I was at... Um, when I was at uh, Vogue yeah. Vogue International, I kind of, I got into this thing of not using models. So I, I wrote to Katie Lang one season yeah. because this, the clothes reminded me of kind of rock and roll or right. like a young Elvis. And I was like, if, well, Elvis isn't around, right? So who would I, uh, right. I know, oh, Katie I Lang remember. would be amazing. Yeah. So I, and she, I actually wrote a letter again, it's pre-email, I'm sure email existed, but people didn't use it. Mm. And she said, if you can be in LA on these dates, I'll do it. Yeah. So they flew me to LA, and that's the first time I got to LA. It must have been like '92, '93. Yeah. I first met Robbie Williams because I thought ah, he'd be perfect Robbie. for this story, yeah. and I wrote to his people, and and then he he started. He must have been. It had some quite nice handwriting by that that time. There's a lot of letters being written over <laughs> the years. I, could, <laughs> I couldn't spell, but I knew how to use a dictionary. I still can't spell. That's but yeah, right. so Robbie did a shoot for Vogue Arm. And then I ended up working with Robbie. You know, mm. he left. He he was in the throes of leaving Take That and doing yeah. his solo career. Right. So, well, I think it's just to cut, just to jump back a little bit. I think it's really interesting, and we've touched on this a couple of times at Daddy OFM about about the idea of of always being open to your your environment because of the you know the the DFN the the default mode network of the brain that that takes in everything you experience and mixes it all up and bubbles these little ideas to, to the top and, and they've actually found that this actually as a part of the brain recently discovered so so if you are beginning your careers it, it's get out there and experience life see bands g walk around read magazines just get as much information into your mind as possible because then your own ideas will happen and it's important to trust them when they come up and yeah i think that you you can get influenced by by people in clubs, yeah. by people on the street. That's right. Um, art, if you've got the time yeah. or the inclination to go do it. Just music and music culture. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't then, and I don't now think too heavily about it. Mm. I just go, oh, oh, what am I into? You know, right. what, do I, what do I think would be cool? You right. Know, I, and I think I'm just kind of doing, in a weird way, what I want, right? You know, and that, that's a, like I was just talking today, and that's what I want to do here. Is that you know I've been talking to a lot of people in fashion, photographers, and and uh, uh, editors and designers, and then but then tomorrow I'm recording with the Bots, who's this great new young band, and it's just because I think they're fucking cool, and it'll be great to have them on. And it's just yeah. you just go with what kind of you like, and yeah, and what excites me, and I'm yeah. interested. I'm always interested in new shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whatever it you is. have to keep learning. You have to keep being open. I was stuck for for a while and just kind of you know thought I'd done all the work and and now I could just have a a nice career in photography because I, I felt I'd done work. But but you can't. You can't stop. You have to keep learning. You have to keep open. You got to. You, gotta you keep can't moving. plan where it's going to go. Mm. You know. I, so there I am. I'm working for all of these magazines. Yeah. Doing, you know, like for when I, and I could literally 
they had money then. Yeah. So you could go, <laughs> oh, you know, this, wouldn't these clothes look great in Sri Lanka? Yeah. Or let, let's do a kind of naval story in yeah. the south of France. Yeah. And time as well to explore and, you know. Yeah, we went to, <laughs> we, you know, let's do something um, on the beach in L.A., you yeah. know, with, with like muscly boys or whatever. You're right. And, and we could pretty much do, dictate, what, what, do whatever we wanted. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, then I guess the, the things started to change. Yeah. Two things started to change, really. Yeah. Um, first of all, Esquire Gentleman, Esquire Gentleman closed. Right. Um, it wasn't a very. It was a very successful launch magazine, but I think yeah. there were, there were reasons. Maybe it was plagiarizing all the advertising from the main Esquire, so it wasn't actually a, a good business idea. Esquire Gentleman closed down. Right. After only three or four issues, because I think. Although it was the most successful launch magazine that Hearst ever did, maybe mm. it was too successful, <laughs> and it was kind of uh, plagiarizing or, or robbing advertising right. from the main Esquire. So, yeah. so that yeah. closed, and then Vogue on closed. Right. And then after that, Vogue on International closed, and that was for different reasons. Um, Condé Nast wanted to revamp them, but they've got really strict employment laws right. in France. Like right. you can't fire people. Right. So the only way to have to relaunch it with new staff was to actually close it down for a period right. of time wow. and then reopen it. Yeah. And then the the other thing that was happening is fashion had become kind of unsexy to me. Mm. It was kind of grungy. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and 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 what I what I was doing and and I guess I had a parallel career in music fashion styling yeah. um, was kind of more glamorous and more sexy. Right. And um, so I was like, well, f- you know, fuck magazines. I've done that. Um, I didn't really like the people anyway. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I found that... Fashion it, people come and go, right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, within the music world, mm. I kind of fitted in a little bit better. And the, the thing about, like, me doing a video, you're in, you're in video land. Like, anything's possible. It right. doesn't have to be anything other than what you think works. Right. Um, and it can be fashion or you could... Anyway, so I, I fitted into that world and I did... I kind of stopped doing magazines and I did music business. Yeah. So whether that be album covers, tours, yeah. music videos, I d- I, you know, I, I probably did, well, I think it's over 250 music videos and most of them would have been in... in wow, you've done 250 music videos, that's mm. incredible. Tell us one of your favourites or the, like, a, like a, a story about a uh, big production or just a, a memorable music video that you might have worked on. Um, well, I mean, uh, early on, yeah. the, 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 the work I got to do with Boy George was kind right. of amazing, working with director Bailey Walsh yeah. and, uh, and, and just really cool. Which, uh, did, you work on, you, did you work on some of the iconic um, early Culture Club ones? No, I'm too young. Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Culture Club, I think. Oh, that's right. They were, they were up with Melbourne growing I got up. To, yeah, they, course, I think yeah. they technically uh, split up before I got to London. Forgive me, forgive I, me. I did get to work with them later on. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, 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 you know, I guess after the magazine period, I was working for Oasis, so Champagne, oh, Super, okay. Champagne oh, really? Supernova. Well, which one of my favourite songs of all time. Right, well, that video <laughs> I did. There we a, go. I knew we'd find something. called Michael uh, Nigel Dick. Yeah. It was nominated for the most stylish video of the year at the VH1 Fashion Awards. Yeah. Um, it was a real moment, you know. It was like, yeah. well, you, I was working for them. I was working for Prodigy. I was working for The Verve. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'd started in. Um, I'd started with George. Yeah. I'd done Lisa. I'd done Kylie. Yeah. Banana Rama. So yeah. kind of pop. Yeah. But then 
that was but what cool was going pop on. as well. It well, wasn't that's, that's kind of what yeah. was going on. And yeah. then in the nineties, after the magazine thing, it wasn't like Rick Astley or was it, did you I, do I probably Rick, would have done yeah. if I was asked because that's what was hot right <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the ni early nineties, I guess it, it, we were more into the Britpop thing. Right. So I was doing that kind of thing, and then, um, and that was a real, you know, that was a real time. But at, at, funnily enough, at the same time, I was also working for a boy band called Westlife. Right. I'd done like four years with them. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. I was doing. <laughs> you know, a boy band and, uh, you know, these cool indie bands. But yeah. that, that's kind of what was going on at the time. And then that led into, uh, that kind of died off. Mm. I guess I was doing Craig David. Yeah. And then I was do I'd spent like four years with Dido. And there was a kind of crossover and I was with, uh, among others, I was working with Sting. I right. spent about four years with Sting. And that's how I got to LA, basically. Oh, great! And that's a and that's a great point for us to and and, and we're, we're, we've done an hour already, which is amazing. And I feel that again, we haven't even scratched <laughs> the surface. And and this is why I love. We might have to extend our shows as soon as the two hours. I hate to say, um, because we we get deep into these things, and there's such great stories from the these talented people. And um, and so I have to have you back on sometime and explore okay, well, some more. We can more pick things. up when uh, when we uh, when I landed in LA. Then. Yeah, well, let's let's bring it up to the future, and, and because David. Is in LA and he's been here for 10, 10 years now and or more. And um, so you, you you came to LA and, and so you, you did you want to move into celebrity or, or, or continue doing music or just um... well I, I, okay so I was here with Sting and his yeah. wife Trudy I was starring right. both of them. Okay. They, Sting had been nominated for a, a bunch of awards for a song called that he'd done for Cold Mountain the movie Cold Mountain. Yep. So I was here for like two and a half months. Yeah. Uh, from the Golden Globes up to the Oscars, which mm. is January through February. They had provided me with an assistant and a car, yeah. uh, and they put me in a hotel. So I was effectively living here. Right. They're very nice, very generous people, but I wasn't seeing them every day. So you, LA is different if you if you live here, which yeah. I kind of was, than if you're just visiting. Uh, how, describe LA in those days. Um, it w it wasn't the it wasn't as fashion as it is now. Yeah. Um, but it was beginning to have a you know new places were opening. There was no Soho House or no right. real cool restaurants and stuff. Yeah. But I liked it. You know, yeah. I just thought oh because I was I guess I kind of was over London a little bit. I wanted to change. Yeah. I didn't want to go to New York. I'd done that twice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, was like, oh, I could live here. Yeah. Um, when it came to go home, the time to come home after the day after the Oscars, I flew back and I was like. I, I really no. I I, I think I want to be in LA. And yeah. Somebody got in touch with me. They'd seen Sting on the red carpet at the Grammys, yeah. and they wanted to. They they liked it, and they were like, whoever styled him, you know, we we want to represent yeah. them. So Great. they got in touch, and they agreed to represent me, and uh, and I moved over. I kind of lived, and that was it. I moved. How did how did things go when you first were in LA? Oh, it was a disaster. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, and this I, is after the corner suite and the round bath and the, you know. I wasn't earning any money, you know. Right. I, 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 you know, it, it, it was really interesting because whatever I'd done in in Europe and remember I'd been styling probably for 15 years yeah. at that point. Yeah. Didn't count. Yeah. You know, right. it, it was like you had right. to work your way up from the bottom again, and yeah. it was very hard to get a gig. You know, right. I was doing crappy shoots for no money. Yeah. Um, I ended up flying home a little bit to earn money and come back and. Uh, I think in the in the first year, I probably made about ten thousand dollars, right. which you know, and I was still paying the mortgage and, on my and house in cheap, London. But not that cheap. Yeah, it was hard. So uh, you know, yeah. I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm gonna. No. 
And, and, and again, and when David says, he, he said, you know, I'm not giving up. And, and this is an, another thing I want, uh, what is determination. If you really want to do this, if you want to work in these creative industries, uh, and never giving up is the thing, belief in yourself. It's so hard to maintain, but if things will break, things will come through, and, and it's hard to have that belief in yourself, but it's important, right? Yeah, so basically after a couple of years of doing shitty little shoots, yeah. really, um, and getting and, and getting pretty much nowhere, I got offered this job to style a video for Duran Duran. Okay. I guess the, the director, who's called Anthony Mandler, who's a very famous video director and commercials director now, saw something in my work we'd mm. never met, I um, I agreed to do the video and it, it went you know it was great. Yeah. Uh, turns out that Anthony was a really is like David Beckham's best friend. Right. So when he'd finished his edit, he went round and showed it to David and Victoria Beckham. Yeah. And this is 2007. Right. So she was she she loved it and she said, "Whoever styled this video, <laughs> I want to style the Spice Girls reunion." Um, and so that's how I got to style the Spice <laughs> that's Girls. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, but uh, uh, simultaneously, you know, I, you know that I'd interned for Michael Roberts yeah. way back at the beginning of my career. We'd become friends. We had shot a lot together for um, Vogue on, Vogue International, yeah. and even interviews. So now he, 2007, he's the fashion director of Vanity Fair. Right. There you go. And they're planning to do the Hollywood issue yeah. with Annie Leibovitz. Yeah. And he's slightly concerned that the people that, that work on the magazine don't really get it. Right. And uh, he asked me to, do, to work on that portfolio with Annie Leibovitz for the Hollywood issue. Um, because I, I guess I, he, he felt that I knew menswear and I could handle celebrities. Right. Um, so I worked on that. So these two incredible things happened. So after having not done anything for the first couple of years, I'm about Suddenly. to do the Spice Girls. Yeah. I do the va uh, Vanity Fair Hollywood issue right, amazing. With, with Annie Leibovitz. Amazing. Um, the, you know, it's a billboard on, on Sunset Boulevard. And that just, that kind of changed everything oh, for of me. Of course, yeah, you of know? course. Yeah. I, I, but I want to touch on, because on, um, it seems that uh, these mentors have been quite important in your life. Oh, yeah, I would say, yeah. you know, I mean... Uh, um, Michael, especially, yeah. I find so inspiring. Absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm, and, and I like him. Yeah. He's incredible. He's incredibly funny and talented, mm. and kind of generous, if you like, of spirit. Because right. um, if I can interrupt, because I remember that I started taking pictures when I was 21, and and uh, and, and thought I knew it all, and 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 I, and I look back and I and I wish I had found. I had an opportunity to work with Robert Erdman and turn that down because I thought I could, yeah, I'm like, let's just go. I want, I want to start shooting. I want to start shooting. But I think that, that if you spend time to learn more and, and, and spend time re respecting the people in the industry and learning from them, then as, as it's happened with David, they, they'll continue to come back in your life and well, there will really be contacts. That's really where you should, you should mention Robert because when I got here, right. I had shot with Robert mm. in the early 90s. We'd done Kylie Minogue for the cover of ID yeah. and I'd got to know him a little. He found out that I was here. Yeah. He already lived here. Yeah. He got in touch, and he sent me through this list of, like, because you think, oh, America, it's no different to the UK. It right. really is different. Oh, completely You know, different. you don't know where to buy your bread. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know where should you do your dry cleaning or whatever. You know, there's, you, know you, you don't know. And he sent me through this list of, he's, I, I understand you're new here. It can be quite difficult. And he sent me this really helpful list of, like, how to get on in LA, right? And uh, and we and we and then we did start shooting again together, and mm. you know we became friends. But so he was very kind. Michael was very very kind. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, that there's are, there are people that reoccur through my yeah. life and through my story, yeah. and, and Boy George is one of them. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's great, which we can bring us up to because how how though I mean I've been I've I've seen we work, David and I worked together with. Um, with uh, the Beckhams once years ago, I think in 2007. But when I moved to LA recently, I, I, I kind of started noticing posts from David and of, of uh, Boy George again and, and really liking what he'd done with the styling. And, and that's why I got back in touch because I'm really impressed with his work. And and, um, and just when you maybe thought that Boy George w was just a, a nice memory, suddenly he's, he's valid again and he's doing things and, 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 and he's like, again, a fashion icon. And, and, and due to a lot of from what you've done, obviously. Well, I, uh, I think the way I work with George is the way that I work with a lot of artists that I work with. Uh, there are five main guys that I work right. with, and it's, it's pretty much a collaboration. Yeah. But the difference with George is that we've known each other for such a long time, yeah. almost 30 years. Yeah. Like, um, I was 19 when I first right. met him. I was 20 when I stu started working with him. Um, so George and I have always kind of been in touch, mm. um, but I have lived here for 10 years, and... We kind of reconnected. Yeah. Um, he uh, had been DJing, I guess, so styling yeah. really wasn't necessary. Yeah. But he was. They were getting Culture Club back together to right. do a tour. Okay. So he asked me to work on him for that. And what we did is, uh, I, I researched. I wanted it to be very Culture Club. Yeah. Yeah. So well, tell us about the inspiration for 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 his look because it it seems very defined now. And and in it and uh, what, well, what, the thing about I think that the important thing about coming back, if you he, he would probably say hasn't been anywhere. But anyway, it, no, just, of course if it's not. But, to come but, back, right. you you want to be relevant to now. You yeah. don't want to just be uh, a sad version in terms of fashion or whatever exactly. of, what, of what you were. Yeah. You don't want him with dreads and the. <laughs> no, and I think that it's really important. Um, to make him, what we, the work that I do, to make him look the best I can, yeah. to make him look like Boy George, because yeah. he has a look, yeah. but make it kind of fashion relevant and cool. Yeah. Um, and I and, think. And, and, and sorry, and that's exactly what I thought is like a Boy George looks like Boy George again, yeah. and 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 not just the, the DJ because and um, but he had become. Boy George again, with, with the eccentricity and the and, and the, the That's the a lot color. about him. I mean, I came in yeah. at the right... I mean, I guess it's about... Sure. He, he needed me now, but, sure. you know, he he had... Um, I, I mean, he's sober. Right. Um, you know, he, um, he, he'd lost a lot of weight. Right. And he was doing stuff. So the, I, I, I guess I kind of stripped it way back. Right. You know, I thought that, that it was... You know, we, we, he, he'll laugh at me, but I have this kind of rule <laughs> that, you know, and he'll call up and if I'm not around, I'm yeah. going to wear this. Don't worry, it's not more than three colours. Because I'm like, <laughs> you, a man cannot wear more than three colours in his outfit. Yeah, there's a rule, folks. A, apart, unless, uh, denim is like playing the, playing the Joker. You can wear denim. But right. apart from that, no more than three colours unless they're shades of those Well, that's colors. a good rule to, to live by. Because it's too busy. And, yeah. you know, when I cut back, on like I just tried to make it simple I wanted to you know uh, the hat is obviously like his trademark yeah. do you know what I mean and, yeah. and that's you know that started with Philip Tracy really yeah. he doesn't exclusively wear Philip but anyway the hat is his trademark and um, and just just trying to make him look contemporary because yeah. I think so much of what is out there fashion wise like the drop crotch pants or the right. or the very long shirts or right. all of this this kind of layering thing is very boy george yeah. it's very culture yeah. club it's, uh, it's actually really right isn't it yeah. that, that long shirt i haven't even really thought about yeah, that and, that and and for the tour yeah. i tried to take elements from all the 
uh, culture club moments that mm. I remember yeah. and incorporate them into the show. Yeah. And uh, they used to work a lot with this fashion designer in the 80s called Sue Clouds, and it was right. um, like Star of David and, and Crosses and um, mm. uh, Peace Signs and all these things. So I kind of... I kind of, we created a print with this designer called Ben Coppoli, who mm -hmm. lives in New York, but I knew him from London, um, and just tried to incorporate a lot of Georgeness. There were other yeah. things that we did. Well, that's that what I love about it. Again, so, you know, and again, I'll repeat it's not that George was away, but, but, but I like how boy George, how George he looks now, you know. Well, George, George looks like George, and yep. George looks very handsome, and, but he also, I think, is very fashion relevant. Right. Like, he doesn't look like he's stuck in another era. No, not at the all. The clothes that he wears yeah. are very now. Yeah. And in turn... Well, that, and that's what I mean was why yeah. I contacted you, because I was so, so impressed that, that, that how contemporary that you guys were able to pull this look together. And it well, it's, so for me, it's, it's not such a big deal, because right. we're, we yeah. are in 2016, yeah. so we're, of course. we're influenced by, by what went before, but mm. we, we've all, you're, we always want to be in the now, yeah. and George Absolutely. is in the now. Absolutely, you know what I mean? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But he's, you know, he's doing incredibly well. I think that we, the first thing we did was the Culture Club tour, yeah. And then what you're seeing now is uh, the Voice UK, which right. is going to finish in about. We've got three live shows to do. The rest right. is pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, he just recorded the Celebrity Apprentice in, in, uh, in here in LA. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, is he one of the apprentices? Was he doing a, a guest spot? Or was like no, he's one of the competitors. Competitors. Is he really? Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and what, so what? What we're working on right now? He's doing a an eight day tour with Cindy Lauper, so it's Cindy right. Lauper and Boy George. Uh, uh, there's other things I wanted to speak to you about. You've been doing uh, some jewellery design as well. Does that harken back to your days with Judy Blame? Is it, tell us about the, the jewellery that you've been doing. Well, it, it, what, how it came about was, I mean, I've been dressing singers and actors, mostly primarily men. I think yeah. I, I, I prefer to specialise in men's work. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's very hard when you're dressing somebody for a film premiere or an award show to to kind of accessorize that mm. black tie or that suit and i wanted to be able to use diamonds i right. you know i spent a lot cool. of time in the in the hip-hop world but yeah. <laughs> um, if you you know it's hard in a suit and yeah. i wanted to kind of create something that didn't exist so right. i was approached by this company called jason of beverly hills uh-huh um to see if i wanted to do a collaboration that's and, fantastic and i thought about it and i was like well it, if it can be what I very true to me then yeah. it's what, and what I wanted to do was create men's jewelry that you wear on your clothes and not on your body because right. I hate okay. wearing rings right uh, I don't wear earrings yeah. and, and most of the guys that I would be dressing for the red carpet probably wouldn't unless they had little studs in yeah um, so I decided to create something that was kind of chic and understated mm. and kind of masculine to wear on your clothes and that was the collection that I did and and you talk about Judy Blame well yeah. I think I use all of the things that I like that I've been uh, subjected to or influenced through all the way up to now. So right. safety pins, which is obviously right, yeah. punk, yeah. but also Zandra Rhodes, yeah. use them in her designs, and Gianna Versace and yeah. Judy Blame yeah. also. Um, buttons. Now, <laughs> I wanted to do cufflinks, <laughs> but I didn't want to do jokey cufflinks. Right. And they're already diamonds, so I didn't want to scare men away. So right. I was thinking if I do it with something familiar that... They're not going to. They're going to be less scared. Right. Right. Yeah, sure. So I decided to do like I, I found this old Dior button yeah. that I really loved, and I based a cufflink on this button, which is probably about the size of a uh, 
uh, a dime, right? Maybe a bit smaller yeah. or whatever, a coin, yeah. five pence piece. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was, and I and I started to work piece. in gold, but I, I'm not, you know, I I thought we need to go further than than yellow gold because mm. that doesn't that's one color too many in the outfit. Yeah. <coughs> so I was using white gold and black that's gold. That's why it looks weird. It, 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 that's I, I get it now. That's why you're right. That's why gold looks often quite weird. But on, it just it tonally it doesn't even. Work. I mean, it works yeah. in some instances, some but, instances but if you want to do something that's kind of subtle yeah. uh, and indiscreet, I mean, I, we... Three we, colours, people, three colours. Uh, <laughs> um, so I started to work with black diamonds and black gold and white diamonds and white gold, and then we did some rose gold, which guys like rose gold. Yeah. Um, so it was it, the, co the collection was um, like I did a belt loop that clicked on your belt right. that, um, that you could check. So it's kind of subtle, and it's, yeah. it's like having... Um, it's like having fur knickers on. No one knows about it yeah. unless you choose to show them, right? <laughs> yeah, cool. So, um, and little things and then pins and d d uh, diamond and safety pins. White right, gold, that's cool. Yeah. White gold, white gold safety pins with chains on them and stuff nice. like that. And it did really, you know, it's, it, it did really very, very well. Yeah, nice. And what's yeah. the collection called again? Gentleman. Gentleman. It, 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 it's still on sale, but it has, it ha the collaboration has now come to an end. Ah. But that's okay. But that's okay. Cause cause I'm gonna, a, but that's a, there's an, I'm sure there's another project coming up. And speaking of that, it, it, yeah. do you have yeah, anything be, that you could tell us about that's coming up? I'll that come you're doing? back. But you know, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that was an experiment for me to see. I, I had, I mean, I'd seen jewel, Judy Blaine make jewelry out yeah. of um, buttons and yeah. things and corkscrews and, uh, and and whatever's lying around. Yeah. It's kind of salvage. But this is. Yeah, I think jewelry. I went to to his studio in London a few times, and and I remember this being chaotic and uh, but so inspiring, and it felt yeah. felt like you were going into to the Andy Warhol of of fashions place, you know. Yeah, I mean the button thing that I was doing, I think in part came from him, but also right. I was trying to do something that was kind of because I'm half British. Well, I have a British passport and an American passport. I was born here, right? So I found out that the 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 English used to trade with the Native American Indians for wool right but they used to trade in buttons and right. the, the indian chiefs would use these buttons to decorate their ceremonial outfits right. much in the same way that the pearly kings and queens used to decorate their outfits so it you know buttons were used historically by men to decorate their clothes right, right? interesting so In okay interesting and then of course there's julie blame and yeah. there's the new romantic and the boy george thing so buttons became important to me safety pins from the kind of punk thing yeah. Both things are not frightening to men. Men are familiar with what a safety yeah. pin is. A lot of people my age, they associate it with punk and it's a bit subversive. Buttons yeah, absolutely. aren't frightening. So that's kind of buttons it. That's are, buttons are definitely not scary. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. That was kind of what I did. And there's there's a lot of influences in there. But I will say that Judy's one of them, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Well, listen, David, let's wrap up. That That's fantastic and really good to connect you with you again. And, and congratulations on the career so far. It's, been, it's very so inspiring much. to hear your story. And, and there's a lot of great things you've done and, and I hope that people listen and take things away from from the hard work and the determination and and just just opening your mind up to all the influence you can in your life and and, and just going for it so uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we sign off no just you know thanks so much for having me and you just just know that I really really love what I do and yeah. that's why I do it and yeah. it's not for any other reason I just I just love it I get excited by clothes as much today as as I did when I started, almost Ex 30 years ago. So Exactly, and that's exactly right. Authenticity. Now, where can people contact you if they want to get in touch? Do you have uh, your social media? Or you are active? Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram is Dave Thomas Style. Yep. Um, I have a website, which is davidthomasstylist.com. 
Great. And we'll link to those. Um, well, hopefully, we'll have our website up soon, which is, is in the works. But if not, that'll be on the Daddy OFM Facebook page. So check out David's um, website and his Instagram li- links and, and follow him on Facebook because you, you, you I've been seeing daily pictures of behind the scenes with, <laughs> with Boy and, 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 and it's been great. And, and uh, so congratulations again and, and thanks, for, thanks for coming on. It's good to see you. Uh, it's great to see you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again for joining us, everybody, and such a great story of perseverance and achievement from David. One thing he said really resonated with me, and that was everyone I liked or respected did something. To me, that meant that they weren't influencers, but they had influence. So it's important to remember that when you're out and about, enjoying life and meeting cool people, having a great time, Make sure you're doing something, creating something, working on something. And that often means working on you, learning, watching, downloading everything around you. Fill your mind with inspiration. Substance will always win out over image. There will always be another party. There will always be another dinner. But there is only one life. So if you're in the creative industries, remember you have to push to get things done. No one is going to give you opportunities unless you deserve them. Believe in what you do. Trust your instincts. Make things happen. Embrace the positive people in your life, especially those you know are invested in your success and be invested in theirs. Next episode, we have photographer and editor-in-chief of Treats Magazine, Steve Shaw. Follow me on Instagram, at jbookalil and at daddyofm. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends and please rate and review us on iTunes. You can do that right now on your phone. It really helps to grow the show. Taking Us Out is one of my favorite songs growing up and will always remind me of my beautiful cousin, Matthew McCauley, was a huge inspiration on me growing up. Matthew, I love you. I miss you. This is Culture Club with Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Do you really want to hurt?